Hey everyone, welcome back to the Enneagram Workshop podcast. We are continuing on with our interviews of different types and today I have my good friend Risha and she's going to just have a great conversation about what it's like being a type 9. So Risha, why don't you introduce yourself, tell us uh, where you're from, what you do, and whatever else you'd like to share. Okay. Well, hi everyone. My name is Risha Lewis, and I um, I'm from the Caribbean. I'm from Saint Vincent and the Grenadines. Um, it's a small island in the South Caribbean. And I came to the U.S. when I was 19. I came for college, and um, through a series of events, I ended up staying here. Um, and my family's here as well. And um, I work at FIU. And um, I go to church at Palm Vista, and that's how I know Vanessa. Yay. And Risha is, uh, had been one of my classes, my Enneagram journey classes. So Risha, how did you discover the Enneagram? How did you come in contact with it? So that's an interesting story, actually. About a year ago, I went to Atlanta to visit some friends and family, and my old... Um, mentor discipler type person uh she she lives in atlanta and she was i was visiting her and she was telling me all about this this um personality thing called the enneagram and and just like it has something to do with the seven deadly sins but like not really <laughs> and it was just i was i was intrigued because i like psychology and i like personality things but um she was telling me uh, she was telling me what she, what number she thought I was, and um, I, I, which was like the perfectionist, <laughs> and I wanted to l learn more about it. And then she told me about the, um, like the, the passion is anger, and I was like, well, I definitely can resonate with that because I, I feel a lot of <laughs> anger <laughs> at times, even though I'm usually a very easygoing person. And, uh, and I do like um, doing things well and doing things to the best of my ability. So anyway, she gave me, well, I, when I was at her house for a couple hours, I flipped through her book, but it was like an encyclopedia. It was like so much stuff. And um, I flipped through a few, a few numbers that I felt like I might be. And my top three were like the perfectionist, the helper, and um, the loyalist or um, so uh one, two, or six, and um, and so those were the ones that I was kind of like thinking I was, and um, I left her, uh, and I didn't really do anything else for, I want to say maybe another six months, and then I, I saw this book that was um, about the Enneagram, it was called The Road Back to You, and so I decided to read the book. And when I read it, um, I was listening to the numbers. And when I heard, um, well, the first number I heard was an eight. And I, I knew immediately that it was my sister because she is a very strong eight. And, um, and the second number was the one. And a lot of things resonated with me. So I thought, oh, yeah, I think I'm the perfectionist. And then I remember hearing the nine and I was like, those people sound 
awful. <laughs> like I, he was talking about how they procrastinate and they're like asleep to life and asleep to their anger and asleep to their desires. And I was like, that sounds like such a flaky person. <laughs> and I am very like, you know, dedicated, like when I make up my mind about something and, and I don't procrastinate. And anyway, so I, so I was, um, thinking, yeah, I'm definitely a one. And so I, I couldn't, after I finished listening to the book, I convinced my sister to listen to it. And then she, she listens to it and, um, true to her nature, after listening to a chapter in eight and the eight, she was like, this is the best number. <laughs> she had everything else. <laughs> and if she's listening to this, I'm sure she's embarrassed. But, uh, but she was like, oh my gosh, like, I, like this is the best number. And I was like, yeah, it's your number. <laughs> and then she listened to the one and she was like, you're not a one. And I was like, I was annoyed because I was like, you're just saying that because you're an eight, like you guys think you're always right, but you know, I need to like stick to my, my instincts and I, I think I'm a one. So then the next thing she listened to was the nine because I was in that order. And she was like, oh my gosh, you're a nine. And I was like, what? No, I'm not a nine. And she's like, just listen to it again. So I listened to it again and I was like furious because <laughs> I was like this person this person he's describing is so flaky like I'm not that flaky and um and she was like no 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 you're you like don't think about the examples but think about the motivations like you're not judgmental you're not uh, you see things from other perspectives you're a peacemaker um you, you like to like go with the flow and please others like those are the core things mm. And I remember like calling my my mentor and like crying because <laughs> I was like, no, my sister says I'm this number. I don't want to be this number. Like I'm not those things. And <laughs> and she was like, uh, like well, first of all, she, like she calmed me down and she was like, look, all the numbers are great. Like they all have great um, qualities. And the nine and the one, they're so close together. So maybe you have the wing of one of them. Um, but you know. You don't have to be a nine because your sister says you're a nine. If you feel like, if you continue to read up on it, and if you feel like you resonate with that, then, you know, that's your number. So as I read more and like dug deeper into the Enneagram and just look for more resources, I started to see that the anger that they were talking about was also in a nine because um, they're in the same triad. And it was just that I was like, repressing my anger like not in the same way as a one would but um I still I had it there and then when I would get like when there was something I really cared about that's when it would come out mm -hmm. and that was um a hallmark of a nine like they kind of like go with the floor until they're not mm -hmm. um and uh there's another thing that really got me too um yeah they said like you can nines can see like from everyone else like every other number's perspective. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's why they're unique. And I was like, well, that makes sense. Because I am very empathetic because I, I, I can see like from other people's perspective. Mm -hmm. And um, so I realized that, okay, I think this is my number. Yeah. So how does it feel to be a nine with a one wing? Because I feel like that could be a very frustrating juxtaposition to be in because it's like, you see the things that are wrong, 
but to fix them could cause conflict or issues. So it's almost like this very frustrating um, place to be. Describe that for me. Do you, do you experience that? I, I do. Um, and I definitely have noticed that, that there's some places where my, my nightness comes out more and some place, like at work, I, my oneness definitely comes mm-hmm. out more. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's, it's more because yeah, I'm trying to do a good job. Mm-hmm. So if I see something, I'm going to say something to make it better. Mm-hmm. Um, but in my personal life, I'm more like whatever you want. Um, so I am more likely to, um, to just go with the flow unless I, it, and this is something I really care about. Mm-hmm. Um, it's this phrase that I always think about. Um, it's I can't remember exactly how it goes, but it's that idea of like, um, you know, is it is this enough energy for me to get out of bed for? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and that's the that's kind of how I I I see it. Like a lot of things, it's not worth <laughs> my time and my effort to like like argue for it mm-hmm. or to try and fix it so I kind of just like eh, it's okay mm-hmm. it's not a big deal mm-hmm. and I go on with my life mm-hmm. so you kind of answered my second question of how you felt when you first realized what your type was maybe you weren't so thrilled about it how do you feel now though as you've done some work um oh do you gosh. still feel the same way or are you starting to see other sides of the nine no it's a complete like 180 like mm. I I definitely love my number and now I feel like my sister I feel like oh my gosh I have the best number <laughs> uh, because I yeah I can I can see life from other people's perspective and there's a lot of things that that bother other people that don't bother me because I just I don't have the energy to care about that like tri- uh, trivial things and so it's, it's funny because um, I really hated it at first but when I started to dig deeper and understand um, who, like what my number really means and what it meant for me and how to leverage my strengths and how to um, challenge my weaknesses, then I really started to appreciate my number. Mm. Do you feel that there are some stereotypes of the nine that are not helpful? Right. And- yes. So going back to my my story at the beginning one of the reasons why i did not want to be a nine was because i was like the descriptions i was hearing was like lazy lazy like mm-hmm. the the passion of the nine is slop mm-hmm. and i was like i am not a lazy person mm-hmm. like you know my i i work very hard you know my my room is immaculate like mm-hmm. you know it's just i i'm not like lazy I don't I don't procrastinate um so I I I didn't I don't like that stereotype but something that brought it into perspective was that um uh, I think it was in one of the books that I read um the guy said that they're not that nines are not lazy but they're just asleep to their own desires Mm-hmm. And and that makes more sense to me because I'm more attuned to what other people want and what their desires are mm-hmm. and not so much my own. Mm-hmm. And so I've been working on that. So I def- so that's definitely a stereotype that I I don't like, mm-hmm. but um I think it's a misconception yeah. Yeah. in a way and um and it's something that 
you know, it, it can be a good thing if it's not like extreme. Yeah. So when you say asleep to your own desires, do you feel like you have trouble? Like if I were to say, what are your dreams, Risha? Like what, what would be your dream life or what are your, you know, what is your, not even a five-year plan, but just, you know, what are your aspirations? Is that difficult for you to answer a question like that? Or do you find it not so difficult? So, like, I, I'm smiling because, like, <laughs> six months ago, I probably would have started hyperventilating. <laughs> because, yes, that is a very difficult question okay. for me to answer. I do not like to dream dreams or have desires because I... Personally, I don't like to be disappointed, so it's easier to, to not have those desires. Mm -hmm. But in the same way, and this is something else that I read, it's like we're kind of like that nines can sometimes sleepwalk because of that, because they're mm -hmm. afraid to desire things and afraid to dream things mm -hmm. and um, afraid of the effort that it requires. Mm -hmm. uh, but also... Uh, I think afraid of the disappointment if mm -hmm. it doesn't um, come true because anything that disturbs our inner peace mm -hmm. is not welcome. Mm -hmm. So in an effort to preserve my peace, I, I try not to have dreams mm -hmm. or goals, but um, not that I don't have, like I, I have goals that I know are attainable. Mm -hmm. And I guess that's where maybe ones and nines do have something in common, or at least maybe my one wing is coming into play, but um, I only sometimes go after things that I know that I can attain. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like you will make sure that you count the cost and that you have enough time, energy, resources to fulfill it before right. walking down the path kind of thing. Yeah, I know. That's exactly it. So I, I, mm -hmm. I don't make a journey unless I know that I want to finish mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. So how has being in, because you've been in the group class with me, how has, how has that experience been? Because you're in a class with other numbers, hearing other people's experiences. Um, I know there's at least one other nine in the class as well. How has it been going from, because nines are a withdrawing number, so I'm sure it's more comfortable for you to make this journey alone with books and just your own study, but how has the experience been to go through it with a class, with a group? Well, it's been really interesting doing it um, with a class because then I also get to see and hear other numbers' perspectives. And um, that has helped me a lot to understand other people mm -hmm. and to understand that other people don't think how I think. <laughs> so, if it, you know, it's just really helped me to understand people in my life, um, just hearing about like from their numbers perspective and to, for me to have even more compassion or understanding or to know that uh, when they, for example, for someone who's an aggressive number, sometimes they can feel like I'm being controlled or they're mm -hmm. trying to manipulate situations. Um, but just realizing that that's not their in intention. That's just how they interpret the world, like how they respond, react to the world. And so that's been helpful to me. And in terms of having another nine in the class, that was actually really helpful because after 
we would listen to something, we would always debrief and, and ask each other, like, did you, did, like, did she said this, did you feel that? Like, mm -hmm. no, I didn't agree with that either. Like, so it was really fun to, to be able to do that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting that you said that you feel like aggressive numbers can try to manipulate situations because I've mm -hmm. actually heard that from another nine, like almost that exact same phrasing. And I wonder, do you feel like being in the gut triad that you can kind of feel and sense people's motives even because manipulation is one of those things that's hard to even know you're being manipulated because externally you know whoever's doing it is trying to you know work their magic but from the gut triad you can into intuitively just kind of sense things have you found that to be the case for you where you can kind of just tell if something's off with someone well, that's a hard question because um, of the three numbers in the gut triad, like the nine is the one that suppresses. Yes, that's true. So we, we don't always follow our instincts. Mm -hmm. um, I think not as, definitely not as much as an eight mm -hmm. and um, not as much as a one. But I think that because, because, well, this is from my perspective, because I am so easygoing, um, and go with the book because the thing is nice even though we're is and this to me is kind of um uh it seems like a contradiction but even though we are uh we can go with other people's plans we're also still very independent mm -hmm. so i feel like because i give so much that it's on the other person to 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 know when they're asking for too much. Mm. And so I think that's when I start to push back because then I feel like, wait, I've already given you X, Y, Z. Why are you asking for ABC? Mm. So that's when I start like pushing back. And so I don't know if I would call it instinct. It's just when I've decided like enough is enough. Do you feel like boundaries are something that you're good at or is that something that is a struggle for you to set? So boundaries is <laughs> probably like my life's work. <laughs> I think I've gotten better at it. Um, you know, I think I used to have poor boundaries because I didn't want to disappoint people or upset them. And um, as time has gone by, I've learned to have like better boundaries. Um, so I think that's also another thing because nines, we have low energy. And so... We don't, yeah, because we don't have as much energy as other numbers on the Enneagram, I think people push us more sometimes than we, we want to be pushed. And, and then we, we kind of respond with, the, with that, with the, the anger or the aggression. So what I've seen in my life is that I do have boundaries, but then when I feel like um, people are, because I feel like my boundaries give people enough, mm. I feel like when they're still pushing against it, that they're asking for too much. Mm. Um, do you tend to fulfill the stereotype of being a stubborn nine? Because <laughs> nines can tend to be stubborn. And I wonder if that comes into play with the boundaries when they start getting pushed that you kind of feel like, I'm drawing the line here. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm cutting it. So I, and I don't mean this in a bragging way, but <laughs> I am the nicest person in the world mm -hmm. until 
you push me too much. Yeah. And then I'm go like I'm going to like be stubborn just mm-hmm. for the sake of mm-hmm. it because I felt like, oh, I've given you all this leeway and now you're you're still asking. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm going to go be extreme just to make a point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's it's more of that like uh, yeah, I, I, my mom always said, like, <laughs> like I get stubborn, and yeah, yeah. So, full disclosure, I am married to a nine, <laughs> and I definitely, it's one of those things. It's not a bad thing. <laughs> I think it's, I think it's adorable. I think it's great. <laughs> yeah, that's the funny thing. Like, I, again, it's not that I'm bragging about it, but then I feel like it is fully 100% justified like if you push me that far because right. I'm so like easygoing and going yeah. to flow like I really need like when I speak up I really need you to listen yeah and that's I think that's where what it is with nines is because mm-hmm. we do have trouble asserting ourselves so when we when we do feel like it's a situation where we assert ourselves and we expect people to listen and when they don't that's when we feel like mm-hmm. okay I need to make a point yeah here. yeah that makes sense so I have a theory about nines having the least amount of energy, and mm-hmm. I'm going to share it with you, and you tell me if you think this is accurate or not. So I think nines have just as much energy as everyone else, but they have to do 10 times the work of anyone else mentally, mm-hmm. because let's say that I am thirsty. I, if I'm thirsty... I will, and I'm a three, by the way. So if I'm thirsty, I will think I must get a drink of water. I will go to the refrigerator, pour myself a glass of water, and that's the end. That's the amount of mental work that I take to get a drink of water. If a nine is thirsty, they will think, okay, let me get a drink of water. But as they're going to the refrigerator, they might think, I wonder how much water is left in the pitcher. I don't know if I should take all of the cold water because then I'll have to fill it up and it won't be as cold for the other person. Maybe I should offer everyone else here water first before I get my drink of water. And, and they'll just go through every scenario of how that one action will affect everyone else around them before they decide if they're actually going to pour themselves a glass of water. So by the, when you first said, I'm thirsty, you had just as much energy as I did. But by the time you got to the refrigerator, you were so exhausted because you had to think through every scenario. Now, maybe you've never done that with a drink of water, but take that same idea. Do you think that that's accurate or no? So I'm going to have to disagree with okay. that. Okay, just tell because me. I feel like that's a dependent number thing. Interesting. And okay. I, because I, um, my roommate is a one, and that is the type of thought patterns that I think okay. she would have. Okay. I really, I mean, yes, I'm considerate, but in different ways. Okay. And hmm, I might need to think about that in a different way. I do think we expend a lot of mental energy, um, maybe in deciding what we're going to speak up for and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And, um, and in trying to keep everyone happy around us. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll give you, well, I don't know if I can tweak that a little bit, but I would, I think that one of the ways where I see myself expending energy is, for example, if there's a group of people, like I, I invited a group of people over to my, my apartment like I want to make sure that everyone's comfortable mm-hmm. and 
or or if i'm if i'm teaching um a class or or whatever i want to make sure that you're getting what you need and he's getting what he needs and she's getting what she needs and but then you you have like all these people with yeah. all these needs yeah and that, that's when i feel drained when i'm trying to make sure everyone's happy because <laughs> i feel like managing one person's happiness is easy but when you have to like when you're at a party and you want everyone to have fun <laughs> but maybe that's also a dependent thing too but I just I feel like it's more of that like I'm caring about I'm trying to keep the peace for everyone so I'm trying to make everyone happy yeah which is exhausting right mm -hmm. so that's uh because I know that for me as a three if I'm in a class let's say my only thought is what is my objective in this class and what do I need to do to drive towards that? So it's almost like all my energy is going to one spot, whereas your energy is divided amongst, you know right. what I mean? So it yes. almost feels like it's less energy, but right. my theory still, I still think nines have just <laughs> as much energy. It just goes more places. Yeah, I don't so know. Like I, I, I mean, as a nine, I feel like I have less. Okay. <laughs> and I'm gonna fair point, it. fair point. All right, we'll stick to that. Um, but here's a question that I was thinking. So there are times, obviously, where you have to make a decision and there's no option where nobody gets the short end of the stick, right? So sometimes you just have to make a decision and someone's going to be mildly upset or mildly inconvenienced mm -hmm. and your brain is probably trying to come up with there has to be a way where everyone is happy but yeah. when there isn't how do you push forward and not get stuck because I feel like a nine in an average space would kind of get stuck and either put off the decision or yes. not want to make it how do you that is exactly what happens and I was going to say that like <laughs> When you um, when you said it's a situation where like no one's going to be happy, but my stomach was already in. Like, <laughs> so I think the automatic response is to withdraw and not make a decision. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, to put it off or. So to put how it do you push someone. past that? Like, what's something that you've learned from the Enneagram? Do you have a mantra, or do you just have something that you think of that kind of helps you to do the thing that's not comfortable? Well, so one of the things I've learned through the Enneagram is that I need to um, assert myself. Mm -hmm. And um, and then another thing that I've learned just in my own personal like growth um, and like personal development is that, uh, you know, you, you can't please everyone. And it's, mm -hmm. uh, it's, Im we it's important to be kind, but we don't have to be nice all the time. Mm -hmm. And being nice is trying to like appease everyone. And that's not really what our goal should be. Like we should always be kind to everyone, but sometimes you have to tell people right. the hard things yeah. or sometimes you're not gonna agree with them and that's okay. Mm -hmm. Like it's okay to, to say the hard thing, but to still love that person mm -hmm. or still be like, okay, this, you know, like I know this is really hard to hear, but this is what it is. Mm -hmm. That's good. I mean, we kind of actually had that situation getting this podcast together. <laughs> and it's so funny because I didn't even think of it until just now that I had to make a decision mm -hmm. and I knew that 
the decision that I had to make would inconvenience someone Mm -hmm. and they might not have been happy about it. But in my mind, I was like, well, that's the best decision Mm -hmm. to get this podcast done. And I literally felt nothing (laughs) making the decision because I just knew that it was the thing we had to do. And yet, and I think I even texted you that, well, Mm -hmm. There's only two choices, and that's the choice I had to make. And I, I didn't even think about it. And so, like, I didn't mean it in a heartless way, but it probably was heartless because I'm heartless. But um, I just meant it as, like, that's just the way I think of things. And I didn't even think until now how different that is with the way that you would have gone through a similar predicament like that. Yeah, you know? and so this is the thing, uh, good or bad, about a nine. Like, if we were in that situation, we would probably have moved heaven and earth to mm-hmm. not change it. And mm-hmm. that's not always a good thing. Mm-hmm. Because then you're like, you're, because you're always trying to, like, make someone else happy. Right. And, I mean, it, that can be a good thing when yes. it works. Yeah. But then it can be a bad thing if you're inconveniencing right. yourself. Yeah. And so, well, what I think I most often do is try to compromise mm-hmm. in some way shape or form Mm -hmm. like there and you said like you make someone unhappy I'm like there's always a way to make someone happy (laughs) like there's always a way you just have to find it yes um I feel like every nine should be like in customer service you know (laughs) like because that's literally their job is to just do whatever they can to make you happy and (laughs) it'd be Mm -hmm. such a great job for yeah but it's exhausting that's true that's true maybe that would like take you into excess in your number and just go too far so i mean i so there are aspects of my job that are customer service and i'll share this story like yesterday i had um this person that i was dealing with and they were being difficult Mm -hmm. like they were legitimately being difficult and I took a deep breath. It was over email. So I decided, like, I had typed what I wanted to say. And then I was like, I took a deep breath. I paused. And I was like, this sounds a little too harsh. So I will, because I was angry at them. So I took it out. And then I, I rephrased it in a nicer way. And in a more like, look, I'm trying to help you kind of Mm -hmm. way. Um, You know, and this is what, even though I can't do, this is going back to what we're saying. Even though I can't do what you're asking, mm-hmm. I can do this instead. Mm-hmm. So, so they're kind of seeing like they're getting something. Right. And, uh, and then he was like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry that I'm being difficult. Thank you so much. I really mm-hmm. appreciate it. And, and it was funny, but I, I laughed. But seriously, before I sent that email, I had a vent session. <laughs> I was, you know, I went to like my coworkers. I was like, I can't believe this person is so awful. And then I, I went back and I, I, I wrote that email and I was happy. I was like, oh, okay. You know, but I was upset. Like right. he was, and, yeah. but it's funny. That's where the energy goes <laughs> because I really didn't want, I wanted to write him back a nasty email and be like, look, this is your problem too. Mm-hmm. But I was like, no, that's not, mm-hmm. that's not how we're going to do this. So I took on that like right. energy and that stress. And then like, okay, I will find a way to make you happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so good. Well, and I think that's a really healthy thing to do for all nines mm-hmm. is to have somewhere to let the anger out, to mm-hmm. vent the, that's a, that's a healthy, good thing to just 
let off some steam and, and so. <laughs> get it out. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so funny because my husband, who's a nine, always proofreads my mm-hmm. emails that mm-hmm. are like the, you know, the mm-hmm. questionable ones, mm-hmm. the ones where I just want to like, actually, he proofreads like the second or third version because he, <laughs> he just knows whatever the first one is. He doesn't even look at it. He's just like, rewrite it. Re- just rewrite <laughs> yeah. it again after you've taken a minute and then he'll proofread the next one and take out even more of my whatever. And um, it's just the best because he'll, he's like, "Mm." yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And it's funny because I mean, even though we are like peacemakers, we have a lot of anger. Mm -hmm. Like we do. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's just, yeah, we don't always show it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Last question. Um, how has the Enneagram helped you? Like, has there been a mantra or a phrase or a a moment where you read something that just kind of, and maybe it wasn't one thing, maybe it's been a lot of little things, but how has it kind of shifted either your perspective or the way that you do things? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely helped me. I think it's one of those things that has really like turned I don't want to say turn my life around, but like has really um, changed my perspective uh, in a really good way. Um, so the first thing I can think of is that it's given me, uh, I think I said this before, just a greater appreciation of who I am mm-hmm. and understanding who I am. Because I, I know that before, like, because of the little energy thing, <laughs> um, I, when I, and when I've had a really, exhausting day or I've had to like deal with a lot of those types of customers or um people I I do feel drained and it is 100% okay for me to say okay I I can't take any more human interaction today and I'm going to you know be in my room I'm gonna read I'm gonna watch tv by myself (laughs) because just the just having another human is, is draining. Mm-hmm. And um, before I would feel like guilt about that. But once I learned that my number is withdrawing, um, it gave me more freedom to be like, okay, this is what I need right now. Mm-hmm. And I just need to be able to replenish my stores. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's one thing. And then the second thing um, I learned that I need to assert myself and, um, and because like the, the, the anger stuff comes because I suppress. And so the way to counter that is to, to ask myself, you know, throughout the day, throughout whatever situation, um, what do I really want in this? Mm. Or does this really bother me? Like sometimes when I think I don't have an opinion about something, maybe I really do and I need to to voice it yeah so just voicing like finding my voice um has really helped because then it's kind of like a situation where like if you think of a volcano like you're helping it to to release Mm -hmm. that air so it doesn't build up pressure Mm -hmm. um so yeah I I would say that's like the, the biggest takeaway and it like being more assertive has um gotten me like a better raise at my job Um, and that was something that 
I was terrified to do and I kept like rationalizing to myself you know reasons not to do it or not to ask but that week or the week before in Enneagram class um I like my mantra was like it's okay to assert myself and that is what I like kept telling myself until I did it. Mm. so so I mean and now you see that's like a physical like reward mm-hmm. so so that's been just one of the biggest changes and just knowing that because my number is naturally more asleep to my own desires that it's okay to spend time asking myself what I want mm-hmm. and actually like going after it mm. so good that's so good well Risha thank you so much for chatting with me and for sharing with me so candidly and I think this is going to help a lot of other nines just I here hope so. yeah absolutely all right thanks for having me